check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. No tap outs allowed. It's okay to scream a little bit when things get painful, but quitting is not an option. And with those thoughts, we say hello again, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of A Toast to the A-Town, presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andre Aldrich, and thanks for tuning in as we embark on episode number four. Now, let's call the theme of this episode, Help the Helper. That term is all about hard work, although it really is a mindset. Now, technically speaking, it's an action in man-to-man defense, where you not only have the responsibility of your primary assignment, but also as danger in the form of a potential scoring opponent is in your vicinity, you stop that too. In essence, you're now guarding two opponents. Help the helper. Something to keep in mind because no doubt the Hawks have been riding the struggle bus, losing seven of their previous eight games before a very spirited showdown in Boston on Wednesday night. Now, that was the first of three matchups over an eight-day period against the Green Team. And in our current COVID world, the first two of those games being played back-to-back in Beantown. Now that win followed a woodshed evening in New York, where the road trip started with a 123-112 loss at the Garden. The Hawks battled back to make that game close, but you never got the idea that our side could make a meaningful defensive stop once things got close down the stretch. And Julius Randle made seven three-pointers while carrying the Knicks all night with 44 points. So Struggle bus indeed. Now, Coach Lloyd Pierce left the team for the two Boston games to be in Atlanta for the birth of his second child. And that meant that assistant head coach Nate McMillan was in charge in Boston. And following the victory, Nate's first words were about the new addition to Coach LP's family. Asked about the players responding to a new voice, the man formerly known as Mr. Sonic was having none of it. He said he ran Coach Pierce's plays and it was still Coach Pierce's system. Now, I'm also aware that the Hawks had a good practice session on Tuesday night, which is saying a lot coming off of what happened in New York on Monday, and particularly during this season, where in-season practice has been even more sporadic than normal. But McMillan made it a point to give credit elsewhere for that, too. He praised assistant coach Chris Jitt, who takes care of the offensive responsibility, and coach Melvin Hunt, who handles that on the defensive end. You see, Nate McMillan is the living embodiment of Help the Helper. Nate spent all 12 of his NBA playing years in Seattle, and he didn't become Mr. Sonic because of his offensive numbers. The Raleigh, North Carolina native embraced each and every defensive philosophy the NBA has ever known. For that, you have to find it. Help the helper? Shit. That's not even an extra burden for someone like McMillan. That's just covering for my man. And when things get hard, you just dig a little bit deeper and fight back a little bit harder. After spending seven additional years in Seattle as an assistant and then head coach, McMillan moved south to become Portland's head coach. His intense, never-quit approach earned him a new nickname down there, Sarge. So despite his overall modesty, this is someone you need on your side to be more successful. And with no disrespect meant to any of the free agents, the Atlanta Hawks' biggest offseason pickup was Nate McMillan. Solid assistant coaches are the lifeblood of the NBA. That's the vast majority of them. Now, there are a few who are working on agendas, for lack of a better term, but the guys who have bled and sweat and done the things that get little recognition, those are the people that command extra respect from the majority of players who recognize how hard that is. 
Now, heading into that Wednesday night game in Boston, there have been seven instances this season of the Hawks taking leads into the fourth quarter, but losing the games. In Boston, they led 90 to 81 when the final 12 minutes began. Boston narrowed that deficit to just three, 94-91. As a fan, you absolutely think, here we go again. As a player, you have to fight off the feeling of, oh shit, here we go again. But this time, our side made the key plays. Now, a couple of guys who added value, although not of the headline variety, need to be shouted out here. Skylar Mays, with some crucial work in Boston, and Solomon Hill. Box score says 17 minutes and only two points for Solo. Well, he had impactful defensive minutes in that game, which helped the Hawks beat the Seas for the first time in eight tries, going back to April of 2018. Of course, Trey Young deserves a spotlight for putting a 40-piece up during the win. The Hawks also fed their bigs with John Collins adding 20 points, while double-double machine Clint Capella had 24 points and 13 rebounds. The challenge for Atlanta players now is building on that success. When it's all said and done, they're very aware that they'll likely have played two months without DeAndre Hunter. That's a huge ask. But excuses and quitting are not part of the equation. Period. All right. If you didn't already know, you can certainly tell that I have a healthy amount of respect for assistant coaches. And not surprisingly, most assistant coaches were damn good players in their heyday but not many were former slam dunk champions. And what's pretty cool for me is that for the second episode in a row, my guest is a former slam dunk champion. It was a little shocking to find out during episode three of A Toast to the A-Town that Brian Jordan, he of NFL and Major League Baseball fame, won a slam dunk contest during halftime of a college basketball game between the University of Richmond and Navy. And David Robinson, the Admiral, didn't even get to see the slam because it was halftime. He's in the locker room. Well, Darvin Ham will be my guest today, and he won the NCAA Slam Dunk Competition in 1996. As a rookie, he competed in the NBA Slam Dunk Competition that Kobe Bryant won the following year. And in 2004, he became an NBA champion as a member of the Detroit Pistons that upset the Bonnet Lakers. Just a few of the career highlights for a man that has some interesting Atlanta-Georgia tie-ins. Two of them official as player and coach, and one of them of the drive-by or drive-through varieties that's kind of epic. All right, now it's time to get to the best part of the uh, podcast uh, folks have been telling me, and that's when I bring in the invited guest. And uh, once again, it's somebody who really needs no introduction. And as I started this podcast off, or kind of the theme of uh, helping the helper or help the helper, right? And... Uh, Right now, as he's been for the few, past few years, uh, an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks, but a definitely tie into the city of Atlanta. We're going to get into all of that. So uh, we bring in right now uh, my brother from another mother, and I say hello and thank you for joining <laughs> me, uh, Darvin Ham. Man, thanks a lot for joining us here on a Toast to the A Town. Man, how you doing? I'm good, Dre. It's good to see you, brother. Thanks for well, having me. Oh man, I appreciate you spending some time with us here. And uh, uh, normally, I don't go right into the way back machine with the guests, but I think I, I, I need to do that right now. And so, um, one of the things in going to the way back machine for you, and, and obviously, we're going to talk about coaching, um, but I have to touch on you being a player and 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 your journey here. So let me go back to the last week of March, March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. Okay. You're a member of Texas Tech Red Raiders and smaller school. 
guys doing your thing against North Carolina and pre-internet, Darvin, and pre-all of this media coverage of sports, once a week when Sports Illustrated came out, that's how back in the day you kind of found out what was going on all over the world. I mean, you knew your own circle, but the extra stuff was Sports Illustrated. And on the cover of Sports Illustrated, we had a brother breaking a backboard, and that was Darvin Ham. Get me back to that moment as the play and the Sports Illustrated cover. Oh, man, it was awesome. I mean, just being that moment, uh, we had worked my third. We gotten to the point it was my third last year at Texas Tech, and, you know, we had some good teams before that, but that team had kind of captured everything that we had built as a program and very, very, very successful, ranked top 10 in the nation, ended up finishing the season 30-2. and two. So we were excited to be in the tournament. Had a really close game the game before we got to Carolina against Northern Illinois. I think we only won that by three points. And uh, so everyone thought we were going to get killed by North Carolina. Yes, right, so, right, right. <laughs> Outside of your locker room anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we had confidence in ourselves. But, you know, they they had a really formidable team in terms of their their, their roster. And Jeff McGinnis, Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, uh, Dante Calabria, uh, Serge Zwicker, uh, Shaman Williams. I mean, they had, they had a loaded NBA talent all up and down the roster. So we just banded together like we always did. And um, it was the night before the game. And we're watching the NCAA tournament show. And uh, Dick Vitale and a lot of other those those pundits on that show were just talking about how we were going to get killed, even mm -hmm. though we were the higher ranked team at the, at the time. But you know, we went out, we took it all in stride. And uh, my brother Durani was actually the ones like, man, this is some BS. You know, they don't have no respect for you guys. You, you guys go out there showing. Matter of fact, because we we were always we had a we would have like a multitude of dunks when we were whenever we would play a game. Myself, Tony Batty, Corey Carley, <laughs> known for just dunking on other teams all over the place. So my brothers, like, man, you should break. Let, let, let me just stop you for a sec. I mean, you, your strength is unparalleled. We know about you from from <laughs> uh, a strong Michigan man, and I'm obviously not talking blue, but Saginaw, but. Um, Tony, but T was wrecking some so, – so you had some monsters with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We had a nice crew, Jason Sasser, Corey Smith, Jason Martin. Like, we had a Corey Carr, as I mentioned, uh, Tony Batty, as I mentioned. Like, we we, we had a real solid crew. And uh, some brothers, man, you, yeah, you guys are trying to tear down the backboard tomorrow. Like, <laughs> just just on a whim. And, and so when that ended up happening, it shook up the entire building. <laughs> and it shook up their team. You know, Jeff McGinnis and I went on. And I'm good friends with Jeff. Vince, right. Antoine, all those guys. Uh, and especially Jeff, who I talked to the most. He said, man, our whole squad was shook after that play. <laughs> <laughs> now, had you shattered the back? Had you shattered the backboard before? I, I'd broken some rims, but I'd never mm -hmm. shattered the backboard. And it was just the perfect time. And you're talking about NCAA tournament. I yes, think sir. the game was on a on a Sunday. And mm -hmm. It, it was, uh, you know, against North Carolina, that right. story program. So the the, 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 the scene was set. <laughs> and so when that happened, you know, at my, we were actually down, too. So when I broke the backboard, it tied the game up. Whoa. And uh, it was a 45-minute stoppage of play. And when we came back out, my teammate, Corey Carr, who went on, you know, to be drafted by the Bulls, played a couple of years there, finished, had a great career, illustrious career over in Israel. Mm -hmm. He came out right out of uh, the locker room and went on a run. He he, he made four threes Ooh. in that first half. So it kind of, you know, mm -hmm. gave us a cushion, and, and we just didn't look back, man. We ended up beating them. I think it was 92 mm -hmm. to 73 or something like that. But, 
yeah, that was a great, great moment in time. And our SID, our sports information director, we got to Atlanta for the next round. We were, you know, going to play Allen Iverson and Georgetown Hoyas. Right. He, he uh, it was a day, an off day, and myself and Jason Martin, we were standing at the West in downtown Atlanta, and uh, we were about to go get something to eat. And he jumps out of his Lincoln uh, rental car and he says, "Hey guys, come here, come here! I gotta show you something. I gotta show you something." <laughs> And so he said, get in the car, get in the car. So we didn't think, damn, what the hell is going on? So we <laughs> right, get in the right. car. He pulls out this uh, uh, manila envelope and pulls out the, the uh, edition of the Sports Illustrated fresh off the press. He said, this is the next issue of the Sports Illustrated, Darvin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and there I am, man. There I am with that Texas Tech across my chest and the glass raining down. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment, man. Surreal, to say the least. That was so awesome, man! It's un- yeah. un- 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 unbelievable. And so, look, you really had a toast of the eight town before before you ju- before you became an Atlanta Hawk later on. There, yeah, that's where you saw the saw the cover. Absolutely, it was a monumental moment right there downtown Atlanta, man. That was the first time I laid eyes on on, on that Sports Illustrated issue. That's amazing. You know, even to this day, Darvin, um, and, and you know, we both have New York connections, and my seven years live, but. Walking down the street once and and, and seeing Felipe Lopez again years yes. later, and you're like, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, junior high school. Yes, you know what I mean. Just this, this, yes, he's that, he's that guy. So I'm not making somebody to 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 be Le, LeBron, but before the internet, before LeBron, yeah. and that was the weight that Sports Illustrated can. So that had to be awesome, man, to see that a uh, uh, play uh, recognized like that. Yeah, man, it was it was awesome, especially us coming from Lubbock. Texas, West Texas, and mm-hmm. a team that didn't get a lot of media coverage, a team that we were we were kicking butt all over the place. Like I said, we had gotten to the point where we were ranked, I think we were the highest we were ranked was seventh in the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, still not a lot of media coverage out in West Texas for us. So people, you know, was, was kind of wondering whether or not we were real, were we the right. real deal or not. So uh, th- that was a moment, not only that play, but that game, I think we gained a lot of people's respect. So you kind of knew... You knew that was your, you know, your your last season. You have you, you have positivity going on there. Um, you're ready for the business of basketball, but then the NBA isn't in the immediate future. So for a lot of folks, and I would say not just basketball players, but folks that look like us, Europe would not be an option. And and for me, I, I never made you know as a sheltered Southern Californian, uh, I never made it to Europe till I was 30 years old because I didn't need to see it, didn't want to see it, all that stuff. What entered in your mind to say that I can go abroad and, and and try to continue my journey? Well, actually, you know, when 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 I left Texas Tech, while I was at Texas Tech, let me back up a bit. Okay. My my roommate who, who who came out a year before me, Mark Davis, had already been drafted into the league, and that was my roommate. And so he got drafted in '95. I think it was by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the summer times leading up to that. That summer before my last year at Texas Tech, especially, we went to Houston. I had an aunt that lived in Houston that was a parole officer in Houston. And so we always had some place to stay. But my my roommate, Mark, he he uh, he was being represented by a guy named Oscar Schoenfeld, who also was best friends of the late, great B.J. Johnson, Brenton oh, Johnson. Yes. And, uh, you know, he just recently died uh, in an unfortunate bicycling accident. But... Mm-hmm. BJ and I go back to 95 and 
with him helping Mark get ready, you know, they would allow me to jump in on the workouts. And gotcha. We would go play pickup at the at the legendary Fondy Recreation Center right downtown wow. Houston with wow. all of the pros. That's where I met Sam Cassell. Uh-huh. Um, and it was it was a great all the pros there. And then playing pickup with those guys gave me, you know, an idea. And BJ constantly encouraging me, like, dude, you could you could probably do this if you really put your mind to it. So mm-hmm. fast forward to me leaving Texas Tech. I went and played in the USBL with Eric Musselman and uh, with a team called the Florida Sharks. And mm-hmm. oh, wait! I momentarily, I momentarily lost you here. Hold on here. You still there, Darby? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay. I, I, okay. So, uh, uh, you played with Eric Musselman? Yeah, I go to Eric Musselman. It went to Florida Sharks with Eric Musselman, and uh, we ended up. Winning the championship, and I got you know invited to a rookie free agent camp with the Miami Heat. Um, that went well. Um, fast forward, probably a month or so later, um, I'm in Dallas playing pickup in Houston, playing pickup. You know, just kind of waiting to see what's ha- what's going to happen next. Um, and so while I'm playing pickup in Houston, Houston's getting their summer league team together to go to the Rocky Mountain Review in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm which was like the original Las Vegas summer league. Yes, sir. And so one of their guys went down and BJ jumped in the car and came over to where I was playing pickup and picked me up and they needed somebody immediately. This kid had gotten hurt so bad. Actually, the guy was a guy by the name of Jesse drain to show you how life is, man. This guy that got hurt, that was, they were supposed to take was a university of Houston player named Jesse drain, who I actually played with in high school. Wow. So he gets hurt. Small, small small world. He gets hurt. He can't go on the trip. So they pick me up and I go on to play well and Mm -hmm. get minutes. And it wasn't, you know, not just coming from being like an add on to now. I'm a big part of what they're doing in the summer league. So it was six games we had to play. I played the first three games and they came with me and told me, look, we're going to shut you down for the next couple of games. Uh, Don't worry, you didn't do anything wrong. We just got some other guys we want to take a a, a, closer look at. So unbeknownst to me, Bernie Bickerstaff had identified me as a guy he wanted to invite to training camp. And so to work that out, you know, it's kind of put me on ice for a little bit, make sure I didn't get hurt or whatever. They were trying to do him a favor. And Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up signing a deal to go to Denver. And uh, BJ was the one that took me to the airport. I left Houston, went to Denver, and uh, the rest is history, man. Played my mm-hmm. first two years in the league for Bernie, mm-hmm. one year in Denver, one year in Washington. Then the lockout hit. I went to Spain, mm-hmm. come back, do a three-year run with the Milwaukee Bucks with George Carl, mm-hmm. go to Atlanta for a year with Lon mm-hmm. Kruger. He gets fired. Terry Stotts take over, who had been co- my coach in Milwaukee for three years. And that's next summer of 03, I signed with Detroit. Mm-hmm. Do two years there, go to the finals, win the championship, lose the next year to Bud in San Antonio, and mm-hmm. got in the little media where I met you, NBA TV, yes, doing sir. Fox Sports Southwest, yes, and all of that good stuff. And then mm-hmm. uh, started coaching, had a good four year run in the in the D League, coaching in New Mexico, and got hired he- by Mike he- Brown. He- to the Lakers. He- he- head coach GM, that's not yeah, that's not yeah, my la- yeah, my last year there, uh-huh. <laughs> 2010-11, I was both the head coach and GM of that team, and. It was a great, great experience, and that that helped me, you know, formulate my coaching chops. And then Mike Brown hires me to go to L.A. He gets fired. Mike D'Antoni takes over, finished up two years in L.A., and then Coach Bud came calling. I've been with Bud ever since, five years in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. now our third year here in Milwaukee. So it's been a beautiful, blessed ride for me, man.
It's been an awesome journey for you. And look, and, and look for me, no disrespect to the beginning of the career and, and, and Denver there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a part of this that's just so astounding to me is why I almost jumped ahead. But uh, after playing in Spain, yeah. uh, um, Sam Cassell, who has his own stories, um, but, <laughs> but Sam is playing for George Carl in Milwaukee. Yes. And George Carl, being the coach that he was, vets could always bring someone to camp. Yep. And the amazing part of this story to me is that while you were in Spain uh, playing overseas, making money, just, you know, did your whole foreign experience there, um, you end up in the Milwaukee camp that already has 15 guaranteed contracts. Now, Correct. how did that happen? And, and give me your thought process on how you thought you were going to be able to play in the NBA. Well, I, I just think uh, coming from Spain, you know, I had already had two years in the league under my belt and went to Spain and played really well in Spain. I had mm-hmm. a lot of money offered to me that that summer that uh, I went and played summer league in 99 mm-hmm. with the Bucks. I had a huge contract offered to me from the Spanish league and the ACB league in Spain. And I, I sat George down. I'm like, you know, I got this option. And I got that. I know you guys are loaded with your, with your, your contract situation with your with your team. So. He said, no, trust me, if you come to camp, you play hard. I'm all about the guys that's going to help us win, play mm-hmm. hard. I don't, I don't care about what the money situations are. We'll figure it out. Wow. And so he gave me that vote of confidence. And uh, so I went. Sam just said, just keep going hard. Keep going hard. Keep going hard, Burger. He called me hamburger. <laughs> keep going hard, Burger. Keep going hard, Burger. And uh, so they ended up waving a guy named Paul Grant, who was actually from Wisconsin, uh, mm-hmm. played, you know, had a uh, – a million dollar guarantee. I think they owed him something like 1.4, 1.5 million. They actually cut him and kept me. Wow. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was a good run, man. We had, had some, some great teams here in Milwaukee during our time. You know, your, 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 your physical strengths and your basketball skills obviously get you to where you are, but I just think it's a mind power situation. It's such a part of every great athlete story. It's definitely a part of, of your story here, too. What was it like for you when you came and were a member of the Hawks and came and played in our town? It was awesome, man. Atlanta's a beautiful city. And, you know, my mom's side of the family, my grandmother, everybody's from East Georgia. She, my mm-hmm. granny's from a little town called Ludowici, Georgia, about an hour, <laughs> hour, 15 minutes southwest of Savannah. And so I got family all in Brunswick. Wow. Jessup, Savannah, Columbus, all over Macon. So it, it, yeah, it's, it's strong. We're going going back. We're going back pre, pre telephone (laughs) days, man. You got some, you got some real blood down here. Horse horse and carriage days. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) But yeah, man, that year I played the 0203. It it was a a beautiful time. Actually, it was the year that they had the all star weekend Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. So Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was a beautiful time. The city was on fire. Um, just, you just starting, you know, to lay the foundation for where it is now and what we've right. seen be built, you know, mm-hmm. almost 20 years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it was great. I had a great time, met some great teammates, Jason Terry, Ira Nubel, right. Sharif, uh, Theo Ratliff, had some Nazi Muhammad, like we had Dion Glover, like we had, we had a really good crew of guys. Big Dog Robinson was there with me as well. And we, you know, had a previous relationship being teammates in Milwaukee. So, it was a great, great time, man. Great time to be in, in in Atlanta during that time. And of course, that's another reason why 
so much felt like home for you when you were here as an assistant coach for five years. And yeah. obviously the, the epitome of that was the 60 win, win season. Uh, again, a team with four all-stars, but really with no superstars on it. Uh, w- w- was that just the embodiment of team basketball for you from your standpoint? Yes. I, I think uh, what we were able to build and we're still going with it here in Milwaukee, but that, that Atlanta squad, you know, Bud said he wanted to build something special where it just wasn't about one single guy. It was about the group. It's about the culture, about the organization. And I think we were able to do that. You know, we had mm-hmm. we had two, a two-headed monster and Al Horford and Paul Millsap and, yes. and a lot of other great players, Kyle Corbett, Damari Carroll, Jeff mm-hmm. Teague. Like, mm-hmm. we had a great, great team. And, and that next year, we just took off, especially in the midst of the turmoil that went on there with right. the ownership and right. the emails that came out, right. the racial slanders and all right. of that. But absolutely. We bound, I think that brought us closer together um, mm-hmm. while the team was changing ownership. And, you know, they made Bud president as well as head coach. So we all kind of locked in and wanted to have, you know, we had championship aspirations. So yes, sir. we just locked in and tried to go as hard as we, we, we could. And what ended up being was an historic year for the Atlanta Hawks. In, in 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 more way in more ways than one too for Absolutely. yourself personally and I know how you don't focus on yourself or or, or, or you 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 never want to pump yourself up man um, but in your role your role has been so crucial to the success that Bud has had yeah but Bud has also had three of his assistants become head coaches in the NBA as Quinn Absolutely. Snyder is doing an unbelievable job in, in, in Utah right now uh, Kenny Atkinson uh, went on to the the Nets he's assistant coach with the Clippers now and uh, also uh, Taylor Jenkins in, in in Memphis so from my standpoint again as a friend as someone who has covered this game since I've been grown um, it's not when does Darvin get his turn it's Darvin's gonna kick ass when he gets his turn yeah. so your mindset as you go through this whole process, how do you not get anxious? I mean, I just take it one day at a time. You know, my dad used to have this saying, you can't be great on the side. You know, you have to put all your focus, all your, your, your mental, your physical, your spiritual into the situation that you're in. I think Phil Jackson coined the phrase being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I do. You know, I, I continue to, to look for people and different things to learn from. Uh, continue to sharpen my, my sword. And uh, when that time, everything is on God's time, man. When, when it comes, I'll surely be ready. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like so many people get caught up in looking for that next thing. I want right. to make this thing that I'm a part of today the best thing. Mm-hmm. And when the next thing comes, when it's that time for it to come, then I'm sure I'll cross that bridge when I, in, in, a, in a very good fashion once I get to it. But until then, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to help Bud support his vision, as yes, I've sir. always done. And help them with the team, help them with the staff, give them ideas, you know, and, and, and we just keep on continuing to make each other better. And uh, I'm not in a hurry, man. People want to rush into that hot seat and I see right. what he goes through on a daily basis. And also one of the other things, and again, a no excuses, a no excuses way of life has always been, been us and, and our whole deal. Um, we all understand the reality of, of COVID and, and how COVID has, has um, impacted everything in the world. Uh, but on a, a much smaller scale, it's so different 
you know, the travel, the, the, the you and I, you know, I'm going to talk about food. This, this is going to be your first time on here. So, uh, <laughs> you know, right. but, uh, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of my, of, of, of my food background and, and, and knowing that to somebody like you, I can tell you when we're in New York city, you just come with me, we're going to be all right. Yes, and you sir. follow me and I, and I've lived up to that for you, but, uh, Several you know, times over. <laughs> more, more than, yeah, thank you very much. Right. You know, I can actually say that whether we talking about Barcelona or Paris or Rio or, or any, you know, this, let's go eat. Andre got you covered. But yes, I say sir. all that in that every player in the NBA and, and there's been very little complaints, but life has changed so much. So on the road, um, guys stay in the, you know, guys don't guys go to the hotel room. I mean, the, basically everybody's in the bubble this season. How's everybody dealt with that from a team standpoint? And also, more personally, uh, uh, um, just the reality of this, I know your mom dealt with this, and and that had to be the most frightening, and and, and blessings that she's okay now. Absolutely. All the way back in March of uh, 220, you know, we when our league first got stopped, mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was like it, uh, straight out of left field. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, for the NBA to stop business, this must be a serious, serious, serious issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out, learn more about what COVID is and, and mm-hmm. how, you know, how do you get it? And if you get it, what can be done? And just kind of, I, I don't want to minimize it, but just kind of, right. you know, you don't know if, if it hadn't hit you or hit right. someone close to you, just kind of like whole humming through it, trying to find right. out what you can find out. But when my mom got it, mm-hmm. then it, it, it you know, it kind of perked me up. And then all of a sudden, you know, she spent four days in the hospital. Thank God. She had pre-exist- she's a type two diabetic, so she had mm-hmm. pre-existing conditions. Yes. But she had changed her diet years ago, exercising mm-hmm. on a on a regular basis. And that definitely helped her once she uh, acquired the virus. And mm-hmm. she was able to beat it four days at home, 10 days of quarantine, four days in the hospital, 10 days of quarantine at home. Mm-hmm. And she came out on the other side of it. Great. But had some friends and some cousins and whatnot that didn't fare too well with it right. and uh ended up passing away so mm-hmm. it, it it took a hole and really like a wake-up call um that we're living in a new world and i don't think our world will ever be the same the only right. thing i could kind of liken it to was 9 11 you mm-hmm. know when, it, when right. we, the, you you felt the immediate changes in travel and the way <laughs> you were searched going to the airport right. different goos and don'ts when you uh, try to pick someone up or fly in and out of these different places through the mm-hmm. airport. Mm-hmm. But uh, fast forward to the bubble, trying to go through that, trying to stay safe, you know, everyone wearing masks and trying to keep your hands, yourself sanitized. And there was a point where we were wearing, we had to work out our guys with gloves and masks on. And it's still mm-hmm. the same where we have to wear masks. We have to remember the social distance. I mean, it's, Mm-hmm. It's been a hell of a thing to conquer, man, to kind of deal with. But, you know, step by step, day by day, mm-hmm. we're doing the best we can with, under the current circumstances. And we're not alone. You know, right. it, exactly. it, there's 29 other teams going through this, a whole world going through what right. we're going through to try to get a hold of this thing and, mm-hmm. and, and, and try to hopefully uh, speed up the process of it dissipating out of our culture. But, mm-hmm. you know, viruses migrate, mutate, yes. mutate yes. and Things just continue, you know, this strain may leave in an even stronger one may come that's mm-hmm. a cousin of it or whatever. But as long as you're trying to stay safe, as long as you practice, so, mm-hmm. again, social distancing, wearing your mask, keeping yourself sanitized, I think uh, we can move that much closer to having some sense of normalcy. 
All right. Well, look, man, I appreciate you joining us here on this episode of A Toast to the A-Town, d And like I said, this will be the first uh, of many. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I know this is a busy, busy day for you, so I know you need to get back to it. But thanks for taking some time off the practice court and uh, coming our way and look forward to uh, your next visit. And uh, we will definitely talk more about the food and and, and all the good stuff, man. But uh, uh, blessings to you. Stay safe. Uh, 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 prayers up for mom. And, uh, man, we will talk to you all down the road. Thanks a lot, Dre. I miss you, brother. All right. Thank you, Darvin. Appreciate it. Later. And as we say uh, goodbye to another guest, uh, there's there's not much else I can add other than appreciate you joining us here on this edition of A Toast to the A-Town presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Andre Aldridge. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, and I will see you next time. <laughs>